Hey, welcome friends. My name is Jesse. I'm the Connect Group pastor, and I love our church. I'm glad that you're here. Hope you feel at home here. Uh, we are going to be diving into a, a, an amazing and beautiful pa- passage of Scripture today. So you're going to want a Bible because um, there's a lot of great details to, to look at. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, um, raise your hand, and we have some ushers. Yeah, they'll, they'll get, hook you up with the house Bible. We're turning to Mark chapter 5, verse 24. Mark 5, verse 24. Also, um, you can follow along with the digital outline, the sermon outline, at our, with our Grace Church app. Hit the weekend tab, and you can see the outline and follow along there. There will be some resources I'll talk about at the end. So have you ever had a root canal? Me too. They're awful. And I don't know exactly how, you, how it gets there, but at some point, the root inside of our tooth just starts decaying and withering and dying. And the pain usually starts small. It's like a little, oh, I noticed that. But then you're like, whatever, I'm fine. I just keep living my life. And for me, the pain was just kind of there for months. Even, it, I, I can't remember exactly how long, but it felt like years that I just ignored that pain. But it did not go away. The tooth looked great on the outside. But underneath the surface, it was slowly decaying, and the pain was getting more and more, to eventually, it got so bad that it hit a crisis, and I'm like, it's time to take action. It's time to get rid of this tooth and get a new one. And so I went to the dentist, and uh, man, that was expensive. But emotional health and unhealth can act in a similar way, you see, on the outside, we can look like we have it all together and it begins to have some pain underneath the surface and we often don't really notice it or we kind of ignore it and it doesn't go away and it just keeps to building and getting worse and worse and eventually a crisis can, can happen in our lives because of the lack of attending to our emotions underneath the surface. Uh, in Harvard Medical School produced a study that said anxiety is the most common physiological disorder in the United States, affecting nearly one-third, one-third of adolescents and adults in their lifetime. The CDC recently re- released a report during COVID. Mental health challenges have skyrocketed. Anxiety has tripled. Depression almost quadrupled. Approximately half of young adults during the pandemic have wrestled with anxiety and depression. Half, half of young people. That hits all of us, either personally or someone that we know. You see, emotions are like an x-ray on a tooth. They are meant to communicate something of what's happening beneath the surface, that anger That loneliness, that sadness, that joy, that hope is is trying to communicate what's happening underneath me, underneath this, in here, in my heart, in my soul, in my mind. The problem is that most of us have not been taught how to identify our emotions and how to process those emotions. Ask my wife. I am emotionally, like, unaware (laughs) I feel like sometimes I need an emoji emotions chart, like this one. So, like, I need to, like, point, like, which one am I feeling? That one. Someone will ask me, hey, Jesse, how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling good. Family's good, you know, work is good. No, no, no. How are you feeling? I don't know. Let me look at the chart really quick. 
that one. And we we need to be able to, to name our emotions, to identify our emotions and give be given permission to feel them. Maybe even just for a minute. You're like, okay, for a minute, I'm going to be sad. And then I can be happy after that. But this takes work. It takes intentionality. It has taken years of work for me to even get a little bit beneath the surface. This series is called Check Your Heart. And we're learning to develop a heart of Jesus in us so that we can help other people. Last week, Scott talked about helping other people in their physical needs. Today is about developing our heart to meet other people. It's about other people in their emotional needs. And next week is about how to meet people in their spiritual needs. And so, for example, when a family member or a friend or a neighbor, either you notice or they begin to share with you some pain going on inside, how do you respond to that? Do you just kind of brush it off or explain it away or minimize it? Or do you In that moment, do you check your heart and enter into their pain in a way that Jesus did? Jesus was in touch with his his emotions. Did you know that? That's good news. Gospel writers put it in there. He wept. He was angry. He had joy. Emotional maturity is often dismissed in the church to the peril of our own internal well-being, our relationship with God, and really to the peril of those around us, the most immediate. Pete Scazzaro wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and a number of others that have read all of them. And he, he says this, we are taught that feelings are unreliable and not to be trusted. They're the last thing we should be attending to in our spiritual lives. That is an incorrect view. God created human beings to feel a wide range of emotions. And he goes on to say, it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And again, often it's those most closest to us that experience our inability to be emotionally healthy. We leak our emotions out to them in ways that can cause pain and harm. Instead, Jesus was in touch with his emotions. He was able to identify them, so he was able to help other people in their emotional needs instead of challenge, instead of creating more complexity. So if Jesus can do it, so can we. Amen? So can we. <laughs> um, we're going to enter into the story of a hurting woman who came to Jesus Her story of faith and healing has inspired many and caused healing transformation in the lives of many. The goal, again, is to learn from Jesus how to help other people in their emotional needs. So we're going to really kind of go down that that lane of examining Jesus. But some of you are in here and are going to identify with this woman. And you just feel maybe in a place where she feels and, and God may want to meet you in that place as well. And that is absolutely okay. And we're going to really try and address both today. So Mark chapter 5, verse 24 and 5. And a great crowd, picture it, a great crowd follows Jesus and thronged about him. What a great word, thronged. There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years. And had suffered much 
under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said internally, if I had touched even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, he immediately turned around um, and said to the crowd, who touched my garments? And his disciples, thinking Jesus is a little crazy, said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole story, the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So let's really try and understand this woman. Let's try and understand her pain first. Physically, for 12 years, she's had her period. This is, all joking aside, I googled it, what this would feel like. It, was, it said this painful cramping, either dull to a severe ache for 12 years in different parts of the body. That amount of consistent blood loss can make you feel depleted, so physically. But also, she was religiously unclean. She was not, not hygienically, but morally unclean. According to the Mosaic um, law, she was morally unclean. And when a morally unclean person would touch a clean person, that person would also become unclean. And so she had to, in first century context, she had to quarantine, not touch anybody for 12 12 long years, she was contagious and alone and considered morally unclean. On top of that, she spent all that she had. I mean, the medical bills are just piling up. And she has no financial security. She has spent all. It says that she's experienced suffering under the hands of many physicians. Physicians in that day were men. We don't know the circumstances or the details, but we do know that she has suffered under the hands of many men. And on top of it all, all of her desiring to be healed, it has just gotten worse for 12 years. How do you imagine she feels about her life? If there was an emoji chart, probably pretty hopeless. But then Jesus comes along, and she begins to believe somehow, some way that he can actually help her and, and hope begins to rise up that, that my life can change. And I want you to picture the scene that, that Mark portrays for us. It's a little bit between the cross, between a parade and a mosh pit. There is this huge crowd of people on their way to go do something following Jesus and that thronging is like a mosh pit. And um, she has to get through this crowd. And so her plan is to floss through the crowd, bob and weave, touch his garment, and then like try and slip away without anyone noticing. For good reasons, right? She does not expect Jesus to stop the parade and turn around and create this very intentional moment for her. So we're going to examine 
how Jesus cares for her emotional needs so that we can do the same for others. The first thing he does is he seeks to understand and validate her. You see, Jesus was on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl that was dying, Jairus' daughter, a very important synagogue ruler. Jesus had a plan for his day. All of a sudden, he stops and allows himself to be interruptible. And that is the first thing to understanding is when those needs come, we stop and we become interruptible to the needs presented for us. And what does Jesus do? He asks a question. Did you know 307 questions are recorded in the Gospels that Jesus asks of other people? Do you think Jesus needs to know the answer? No. Jesus is like the embodiment of absolute truth. He is God with clothes on. He is the visible image of the invisible God. He does not need to have know the answer. He is creating an intentional space for the other person. And as he asks this question, what does she do? She shares her whole truth. Is that what it says? How long do you think 12 years of suffering would take to share that whole truth? Probably a long time. And Jesus is just waiting. He is, he sets aside his agenda in this moment of need he says, you matter to me in this moment. He asks a question and he waits as long as necessary to hear her. He is seeking to understand her. You see, being heard, I love this. Being heard is so close to being loved that the average person, they almost consider it to be the same thing. Want to know a little pastor trick? Half of what I do pastorally is just asking people questions and sitting there and being present and listening and how that meets an emotional need. You see, Jesus understands, is seeking to understand, but do you think the crowd understands her pain or even cares about her pain? This is what I imagine. As she is sitting there going on and on and on, they might be getting angry. We're here for this important uh, synagogue ruler's daughter. That's what we're here for. You're wasting your time on this woman who is not important. And maybe as she's sharing her story, they begin to back up. Did she touch me as she was bobbing and weaving through the cloud? Am I unclean? Hold on. When someone shares their emotions in that vulnerable moment, do you lean in like Jesus or do you begin to back up in these moments where people begin to share, we need to check our own hearts and not judge them or minimize that. Jesus' deepest impulse is to move towards people's suffering and not away. And so as you stop and notice and ask and listen, you may not understand what they're going through. This happens to me all the time. My wife, when she's sharing, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand it. But this is so important. If that person is sharing it, whether you realize it or not, it is real for them. Period. It is real for them. Don't critique it. Don't minimize it. it this is a really hard thing to do. And I have spent hundreds of dollars in Christian marriage therapy to learn this simple truth. And it's here for you for free. You're welcome. When that person is sharing their whole story, it's real for them. Even if you don't get it, it's okay. You can still validate their experience and their story as Jesus does. He doesn't critique her whole story. Was it 
littered with things that were probably not true? Maybe. Validating how is how you show understanding and is the first step to meet emotional needs. Now, historically, Jesus is the clean one. He is the holy one, the sinless one, and she has touched him and made him unclean. Shouldn't Jesus be upset and even upset at the, that she has exposed all of her uncleanness to the crowd? Here's a powerful truth to put in your heart. Jesus makes the unclean clean. When Jesus touches your life, touches your heart, he makes you clean. He is not disgusted. He is not revolted. And this has such powerful ramifications for how we interact, who we choose to become friends with, who we welcome into our homes and into our lives, how we show hospitality to other people. We're not exposed to their moral filth. Jesus draws near to make the unclean clean. The heart of Jesus moves towards and speaks into the deepest identity and pain. She shares her whole story with Jesus. And what is the first word out of Jesus' mouth? Daughter. Daughter. This is, this is the only time in all the Gospels. Go look it up. I did. The only time anyone is ever called daughter by Jesus. As she is sharing her whole story, he calls her daughter. The second way to meet emotional needs is to make them feel valued. You make them feel valued. The truth is, this is absolutely true of all people. You are made in the image of God. Can you affirm that over people and make them feel valued? Can you say you matter as they're opening up and sharing? We can do these things, right? You are worthy. Your identity is not in your behavior or your emotional pain, your identity is who God calls you. And we can speak that identity over people's lives. We have the ability to do that. How was she labeled in her community? Sick, unclean, disgusting. She exposes her whole story. And what does Jesus do? He calls her daughter. How has her identity now changed and shifted in the community? She's gone from the unclean, dirty, sick one to the daughter of Jesus. And I believe from that day forward, she's walking around in this community with her head a little held high. Yeah, that's right. I'm the one that Jesus healed and called daughter. You see, Jesus, his, his um, validation over our lives and make, making us feel Valued is not only in our personal identity, but we help, we help other people feel valued in the, in the corporate community as well, right? I skipped this, so I'm going to come back to it. Um, when I first went to therapy many years ago, I shared very vulnerably and openly with a Christian therapist. And I'll never forget the words that he said to me after I was done sharing. He said, Jesse, that took a lot of courage. He wasn't disgusted with me. He, he didn't communicate shame. He said, that took a lot of courage. And I'll never forget those words over my life. And now when people often share with me vulnerably, I say the same thing to them. Thank you for sharing. That took a lot of courage. 
And so Jesus makes this woman feel valued in her identity, but also within the community. And we need to check our hearts in these moments. Do we, as they open up and share, do we make people feel valued? How do you practically meet emotional needs by making them feel valued? As you're listening to their story and they're, and they're sharing with you and then it gets quiet, what do you say? You can say things like, I am a confidential person. I'm not going to take what you shared and shame you or control you or manipulate you. I'm not going to go gossip and tell other people. What is that saying? I'm a safe person, right? You can also say, I see you the way God sees you. I don't see you for your behavior or your struggle. And that's communicating you matter. You can say, I will journey with you as long as it takes and you belong here. And that's communicating you are not alone in this. I am with you in it. Your job is not to fix the emotions. Your job is to help create a space for other people to get them out and and journey with them through the process. Now, when people share, don't overreact. Your face, your body, your words are communicating something. Don't be like disgusted, right? You need to communicate with your whole body value and acceptance and love. Now let's step back. Jesus' question didn't immediately cause peace in her heart, did it? You may be wondering, Jesse, are you going to talk about that? Because he asked the question and she is terrified and falls down trembling. Have you ever experienced that kind of fear, terrified, where you're trembling in fear? Jesus, it seems like he's calling her out publicly, doesn't it? It seems like he's focusing a spotlight on her and shaming her publicly. Jesus, what are you doing to this poor woman? Now, it doesn't say that you touch my garment. It says, if you look at the passage, he looks around and says, who touched my garment? Now, I believe that Jesus is giving her an option here. Jesus is giving her an out. She had already experienced the healing physically that she wanted, right? I believe Jesus would have let her walk away if that's what she chose. She could have kind of held it together and just moved on. But you see, she chose to answer that question, to fall down in fear and trembling before God. She hits what I call a wall moment. She opens up. What's it like to hit the wall? It's a moment in your life where you feel overwhelmed and stuck. Overwhelmed in your emotions and stuck. There's a pattern you'll notice in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, that people will fall down at Jesus' feet in fear and trembling. And what he will do is he will help guide them through the wall to the other side of it, to a new place of healing and transformation. You see it with Peter in a number of different moments. What healing did she experience on the other side of the wall? Before the wall, she experiences physical pain. On the other side, emotional identity healing and also emotional healing. He says, daughter, go in peace. Have you heard those words from Christ? Have you received the peace of God in your heart that transcends all understanding? To have an emotional stability inside, the peace from God? Can you imagine receiving that and having that in your life? What was her disease? 
Certainly it was a physical disease, but there was a, another level underneath the surface going on inside that, that Jesus wanted to touch and heal and transform her identity to give her peace. Jesus wants you to have a deeper sense of healing in your life than just the surface level healing. We, like her, we want to just experience, you know, we have this pain and we identify it on the surface of our lives and we just want that pain to go away. In order to experience a deeper level of healing, we need to understand the nature of the wall. We need to understand how God uses the wall in our lives for the formation of our lives in the larger journey that we have with Jesus. The third way to meet emotional needs is to journey with other people through the process. The wall is an absolutely terrifying place when you're in it. And we run away from it, we don't want to deal with it, or we keep running into it. Hard-headed, we just run into it and fall over and wake up the next morning hungover, whatever, and hit it again and fall down and we just keep hitting it and we can't get past it. We say things like, I'm fine. It's not that big of a deal. I can get through this on my own. You see, the anxiety, the depression, the doubt, that stuff is not toxic. What is toxic is when we're alone and isolated and in denial about it. The wall can be a scary place, but God wants to help us Understand that there is a larger purpose and there's a, the, the, that God uses the wall. We don't have to be afraid of it. Does that make sense? God wants to reframe so we can embrace the wall. The wall moments are meant to move us forward in our journey with Christ. But if we keep running away from it, we will remain stunted emotionally, spiritually, relationally. A few weeks ago, I hit my own wall. Can I share? We've had a, a loss in the family. Never know when the emotions are going to come. Uh, and so we had a loss in the family. We were processing through that. But I, I was leaking out emotional unhealth uh, towards my family to get through it. And so I was hitting a wall. It's one of many walls that I've hit in my life. But I was feeling overwhelmed and I was feeling stuck. And so I have a group of guys, my, a discipleship group of guys from our church. We meet and I was sitting, we were in a circle right there. Wednesday morning. And I began just to share and open up. And for 30 minutes, I'm tears and all just coming out. Guys, I feel stuck. I don't know what the way forward is. Can you give me some advice? Pray for me. And they did. And they help me understand that this dark place that I'm in, that it is not the end, that, that I can move past it to the other side. And they help me with that. The wall is not the end, but it is a necessary stage of healing and emotional peace that God wants to give us. That's how Jesus sees the wall. So where are you right now? Are you resonating with Jesus. Man, I want to be like Jesus and help other people and their emotional needs. I want to 
to stop and to notice and to ask questions and to create space and to journey with other people and validate, man, I, I want to be a part of other people's emotional healing. Or are you identifying with the woman feeling stuck and overwhelmed and you don't, can't even imagine what healing and peace looks like on the other side of the wall? This all hinges on faith. It hinges on God awakening our eye, the eyes of our hearts. It's not something I can do. It's not from a great message. The earlier message was better than this one, in my opinion. Uh, but it's not based on me. It is based on this God and faith rising up in your own heart. That's truly what this hinges on. Faith, you get to a point to realize, I need God. I need God, and I need other people. I've tried and I've tried, and it's not getting any better. In fact, it's just getting worse. It's just getting worse. See, faith allows us to get real with God and with others, and it allows us to see and have hope about what it looks like on the other side of the wall. That's how we journey with each other. You see, faith helps us understand that on the other side is not more darkness and hurt and isolation, it's childlike faith. It's less judgment of ourselves and other people. It's seeing many of the, the things that we're chasing after as blessings that are, can be curses. And many of the curses that we think are, are in our lives, God wants to use as blessings. It's seeing the attachments, codependent attachments to people to substances, to things, our, our desire for those things, it's the place where they begin to just detach. And we create new forms of attachment and intimacy with God in, the, in their places. This is what faith does when we hit the wall. Faith also helps you to believe that you can be like Jesus for others. If God has brought you through the wall to the other side and you've experienced that and you can help, faith allows you to see yourself as Jesus to help others in their emotional needs. So again, whose story are you identifying with and being inspired by? Two weeks ago, for me, it was the bleeding woman. Today, I'm inspired by Jesus. And that can be one or the other. It doesn't, does that make sense? Where are you right now, and how do you want to come to Jesus and let him meet you in your needs? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for those who are sensing the call and just the inspiration from Jesus that this series is really focused on, checking our hearts for those that want to be more like Jesus to help the emotional needs of others. God, I pray we would be a, a church that is healthy in a way that we're honest and support each other, creating spaces for emotions to be identified and processed and brought to Jesus and touched. God, may we be walking around ministers of that kind of help and support in our families, in, to our neighbors, and to one another. Jesus, would you release that? in us and through us. Man, what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing for every person, no matter what 
you're experiencing, no matter what you're, what you're feeling, no matter what identity you have, that you can, we can all experience that together. God, release that work in our hearts. May we be like you, Jesus, to meet each other's emotional needs. Teach us, Jesus, how to do that. I pray for anyone who's feeling like you are at your wall and you feel overwhelmed and you feel stuck and God is just opening up the eyes of your heart to see that, maybe in a new way, in a way that you want to just allow Jesus to, to, you just want to fall before Jesus and say, God, I, I need your help in this area. That is a beautiful place. It is a scary place, but it's, it's the beginning of a new season of freedom and deliverance and healing. And so I pray that you would come to Jesus and allow him to, to meet you in, your, in that place right now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.